Hello and welcome to Money Wisdom with Joel Johnson. I'm John Stillman, alongside Joel Johnson, certified financial planner and the CEO of Johnson Brunetti, the official wealth management partner of the Yukon Huskies. You've probably seen Joel on TV before, hosting Better Money on WFSB Channel 3 on the Saturday and Sunday morning news with Kara Sundland. That's also on WCBV Channel 5 in Boston. Joel, always a pleasure to be with you. And I have to tell you, um, I'm glad to have now had a week of everybody being back in the regular routine. I don't enjoy the malaise between Christmas and New Year's where people don't know what day of the week it is and they're not wearing pants half the time. And it's just like, can we get back to regular life? I know people like to rest, but I'm guessing you're probably the same way. I'm the same way. I like the structure. Even when I'm not, you know, when I'm on vacation, I I need the structure. I gained like seven pounds between December 1st and the end of December. And it wasn't just because I was eating like crazy. I just wasn't getting the activity that I usually get. You know, I'll I'll sit down and read or I'll watch movies um, and do a little bit of exercise, but I won't do the type of intense exercise where I'm doing it, you know, four times a week with a trainer and so on. So I I need the structure. So I, I like the structure and um, it does feel good to get back. Don't know how I've, I'll feel in March, but it feels good right now to to be back to a hard uh, routine. Are you a New Year's resolution guy or not so much? No, no, I'm not. I mean, I try to just you know I should if if I have to wait till New Year's to make a resolution, then there's probably a problem. So uh, no, the only resolution I had this year, which I didn't make it an official resolution, is a guy sent me a. I try to do a little quiet time every morning, 15 minutes or so. And uh, a guy that I know sent me a new book uh, to go through, and it's just fantastic. So that's my, I guess that's my resolution is to go through that uh, um, every month this year. And the book is what? Do you want to give us an endorsement? Um, you know what? I don't know what the name of it is. He he actually he's a he's a pastor at a church in Hartford, Hartford City Church, and he put he put this thing together on his own. So it's like this bound. It's like something you would make in an office, right? It's a nice bound presentation book and it's got 40 or so, uh, you know, daily thoughts. And, uh, and a lot of it's just his, him talking about his life and so on. It's, it's really good stuff. It's different than what I was usually going through over the last couple of years. So you have like the advanced reader's copy that the rest of us don't have the opportunity to get yet. Yes. And I have the big print, um, for the 58 year olds, you know, a little little bigger and nice and spaced out. So I can, if I don't have my glasses, I don't have to get up and go get my glasses. I can read it nice and easy. For the people who wear their glasses down at the end of their nose. Very good. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the new year and some financial planning topics. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of people felt that 2019 was a bad year and then they welcomed 2020 with great enthusiasm. And of course, it didn't take long before they were longing for the glory days of 2019. So let's talk about this year, 2021, from the standpoint of making it a good financial year, no matter what. Let's not get caught up in saying, yeah, 2021 is going to be a better year. We don't know. We don't know that. But let's talk about the things that we can do regardless of what life throws at us to make it a good year. One thing that would be important, Joel, is understanding new legislation. You know, they've had the the recent stimulus bill passed, just understanding all the little nuances of that. I know for a lot of people, sometimes they don't pay attention to all the little things that they could take advantage of in new laws like that. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, you know, just look at 2020. We had the CARES Act that passed, 
and that had a lot of great things for um, for retirees or people close to retirement. They moved the required minimum distribution off for a couple of years. They have um, a way that you can gift money to charities, and um, it's a more favorable way than you used to be able to right right straight from your retirement accounts. There were just a number of different things. Some things hurt us a little bit, like the ten year payout on inherited retirement accounts and so on. But um, usually there are things in these bills that people have no idea are in there. And so, you know, the recent stimulus bill is an example. There's all kinds of things that just got piled in there that, you know, whether they're good or bad, you know, the bills aren't, laws aren't standalone anymore. They're crammed full of stuff. And so it's important that, um, you know, our clients uh, get an update from us on what these things mean and how they can take advantage of, take advantage of them. And it's important that you get those updates that you get that summary nobody wants to read a you know 5000 page bill um, but it's very easy to find the two or three things that affect you and hopefully you're working with a financial advisor or getting some advice from somebody that's that's summarizing those things and keeping it simple because we will probably see a lot of legislation this year president biden has promised that he is going to change the tax structure out there and so that could negatively affect many of our clients and so we want to pay attention to those details. And it's interesting, you know, you always have both sides of the aisle saying how good or how bad everything is. And usually neither one of them are being, let's just say, accurate to be kind. Um, and so it's important that you get an opinion that's that's based on, well, how does this affect me? That's what I was always asked is, how does this affect me? I tell my mom and dad, you know, they're 80, they'll be 85 and 87 this year. And you know, my dad still says, well, you know, taxes are too high. I said, dad, you're hardly paying any taxes at all. You know, I'm not for high taxes, but my dad's hardly paying any taxes at all because of the way his income is structured. And so um, it's important. It's important you don't just listen to the rhetoric out there, but really get the details. And, and, um, and the details need to be summarized into plain, simple English. And there will be a lot of legislation this year in the year 2021. Well, you, since you mentioned the SECURE Act, let's revisit that a little bit. Because last year at this time, we were talking about the SECURE Act a lot. That was a big deal. And then, of course, it you know wasn't around that long before it got completely swallowed up by coronavirus news cycles day after day. So let's revisit that SECURE Act because I think still a lot of times you know, I'll mention something from the SECURE Act to somebody and they say, wait, what? I didn't know about that. You mentioned RMDs getting pushed back. Uh, the other big thing from it was stretch IRAs being eliminated. How do those two things primarily affect your clients? Yeah, so those are the two big things. And let's just go go through what they are. So before the SECURE Act, we had to take our money out of our retirement accounts at age 70 and a half. And there was only one exception to that, and that's if you're still working for a company and you have a 401k at that company, you don't have to take money out of that particular account. But um, other than that, 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out of your IRA because, or, or 401k because that money hasn't been taxed or a majority of that money has not been taxed. Well, that's now gotten pushed back to age 72. So that's great news. For a lot of people, that means an additional two years, depending on where your birthday falls, an additional two years before you have to take any money out, which is great. People are living longer, gives the opportunity for your money to accumulate a little bit longer. And so it's good news. It gives you more flexibility. It doesn't mean you should wait for as long as possible to take your money out, but it gives you a choice that lasts a little bit longer than it did before. Now, the yin and the yang of that or the cost of that is now if your kids inherit or you inherit a retirement account, you have to empty that account in 10 years. So it used to be I could leave money to my children or grandchildren and they could take it out over their life expectancy. They could take that account out little pieces and have that account pay out for maybe 20, 30, 40 years. 
That's gone by the wayside. Now that account has to be emptied in 10 years. So it's a lot quicker. That retirement account has to be emptied by our heirs that inherit that account, which means you could be really hurting your children uh, from a tax standpoint. Think about when you pass away, chances are your kids are 50s and 60s. They might be at their peak earnings years and you're forcing them to take all this money out of your IRAs or your 401ks that's probably just gonna, you're probably gonna lose 30 to 40% of your accounts if you're like most of our clients to the tax man. So it's an opportunity for more planning. You have to think about, you know, do you wanna leave money behind? And if so, what's the best money to leave behind? Because I'll tell you, Wendy and I, right now, if we were retired, we'd pull money out of our retirement accounts first and leave our other accounts alone um, to leave behind if we don't spend all our money. So it brings some planning opportunities, but those are the two big changes with that SECURE Act is you don't have to take money out of your retirement accounts until you're 72 and a half. It's a couple years longer for a lot of people. And you have to, on an inherited IRA, that account has to be empty in 10 years. So again, that was the SECURE Act. It's now a year old. It was passed the, the beginning of 2020, but again, for various reasons, it did not get the attention in 2020 that it probably should have. So if you're retired or getting close to it, that is something you want to be paying attention to. If you want some help, reach out to the team at Johnson Brunetti. That number to call is 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232 if you'd like to set up a time to discuss how these things affect you. Uh, Joel, I know for a lot of people, maybe they're adjusting to new income levels. And I don't necessarily mean, well, they lost a job and they had to find some other work and now they're adjusting to lesser income. I mean, for a lot of people, their company has done just fine. Maybe they've gotten an incremental raise, cost of living adjustment with their income. Maybe they get a bonus every first quarter, which is pretty common with a lot of the Fortune 500 type of companies, you get a first quarter bonus based on last year's performance. So how do you advise people to adjust to those new income levels when they realize them? Well, first and foremost, look at how it's going to impact your taxes. Um, so before you think about where am I going to invest that money, am I going to spend that money or save that money, how is it going to impact your taxes? And there anything you can do to minimize that impact? So let's say you're getting a bonus and it's, I don't know, it's a big bonus, $25,000 bonus. Well, all that is going to hit your income. They're going to pay that out in a check. Um, it's going to hit your top line income. And uh, they're going to take a whole bunch out for taxes, but it still hits your top line income. Well, maybe you can now take other income that you have. Your maybe it's your typical every two weeks paycheck income, and put more money away into a four hundred one k, so that by the end of the year, if you don't need any of that extra money, you've smoothed out your earnings. You haven't had a higher tax bill. You haven't triggered maybe a higher tax bracket by going over the line from an income standpoint into that next tax bracket. So uh, that's the first thing is how. How's it going to impact my taxes? And then you go back to the same question. And if you're working with us, we've done a retirement income analysis for you. And you know that question is, well, do I need the money? Do I want the money? And who's the money for? And if you need the money, then it's kind of a no-brainer. You spend the money. Um, if you want the money, then again, let's look at, okay, you want the money to spend the money typically or to help somebody else out. What can you do from a tax standpoint? And if the question is who's the money for and it's not for you, let's be real smart with where you put that money so that when it goes to who it's for, whether that's a charity, children, grandchildren, kids' tuition, grandchildren's tuition, where, where it might be, maybe a sibling you're trying to help out, let's make sure, again, we minimize taxes. If that money is going to be invested in the long run, for the long run, 
then again, it needs to fit in with your financial plan. Don't just take that extra money that you're getting and invest it as if it's a whole separate pot of money. You know, maybe you want to keep it separate, but make sure it works in to your overall financial plan. So that's if you get a raise or an, an increase in income. A lot of people, especially business owners this year, have had a decrease in income, and it's real urgent that if that's you, you need to get together with us or somebody you trust and make sure that you don't, we call it blowing up, which is kind of a bad phrase, I guess, but that's what we say in the, in the financial coaching business. You don't blow up your future because of poor decisions that are made, whether it's, you know, taking out a loan that you maybe shouldn't take out, cashing in a retirement account and so on. So these are really interesting times and important times that you don't make a mistake that you're going to be paying for five and 10 years from now. Again, if you'd like to reach out to the team at Johnson Brunetti, as Joel suggested, if you'd like to come in for your Money Map Retirement Review, that number to call is 800-705-1232. That's 800-705-1232. Joel, one final thing that's always good to do at any time of year, but for some people it just makes sense to do at the beginning of the year, is just assess your overall retirement health. Um, You mentioned people saying, who is this money for? And that can be sort of a step in the right direction of assessing your overall health. Because depending on the answer to that question, if that money is not for you, if you get a bonus and you say, look, I don't need this. I already have the money I need for my retirement. Well, that can be an indicator to us that you're in pretty good financial health. But what if you're wrong? What if you do actually need that money? You're not in as good shape as you think. So what do you normally find when people come in to get an overall assessment of their health? Are they in better shape than they thought and worse shape than they thought? How does that conversation usually go? Most people are in better shape than they thought, but they're taking way too much risk. So they're in better shape than they thought as far as, you know, having the amount of savings so that they make sure they don't run out of money in their lifetime and they're able to pass things on or support charities or or causes that they want to. Most people are in good shape there. But then when you look at the way their money's invested, they're not in good shape because the amount of risk that they're taking, things that they have no control over, like the economy and the markets, um, could take away that security that they won't run out of money for the rest of their lives. So, um, so again, when people come in, we do that analysis. We do the money map retirement review. They get a financial plan. They get an income analysis. And um, as you all know, we, we do all that uh, with no charge. Um, but many times, many, like the overwhelming majority of times, they've saved enough money to be fine, but the way that money is invested is not okay. They're taking too much risk. And that's what can cause somebody to have to, I remember a few years back, um, this probably goes back 10 or 12 years, um, somebody had um, saved enough money for retirement and they had retired and they came in to see us, I think it was 2006, 2007, did not become a client, just wanted a second opinion. And uh, they had just retired, like I said, a couple years later they came back in and the gentleman had to go back to work. He retired from his big job and he had to go back to work and he was working at a big retail chain because they had invested the money um, in too risky of a way and the market was way down. You know, 2008, 2009, the market was way down and he didn't want to take any money out of his retirement accounts because it was down so low. And so he went to work for a retail chain and wasn't really that happy working there. So um, that's the type of situation where he had saved enough money, but it wasn't invested in a conservative way. Remember, when you're investing your retirement money, you should be thinking like a pension fund. Invest like a pension fund. The, The job of a pension fund is to be able to get a reasonable rate of return to pay out monthly checks to those people that are receiving a pension and not take too much risk. They're not trying to beat the market. Um, They're trying to do 
as well as they can, but they're not taking the kind of risk that a young person might take with their, you know, with their small five thousand dollar account that they're, you know, buying individual stocks with. Got to be careful on that. Don't try to get too cute with money that you need for retirement income. And again, if you'd like to talk with the team, the number to call is eight hundred seven zero five one two three two. That's eight hundred seven zero five twelve thirty two. Joel, let's open up the mailbag and answer a few questions for folks in there. Ted says, how can I determine how much money I can leave behind my kids without shortchanging my own retirement? Well, that's pretty easy, Ted. You need a retirement income analysis. And uh, the way we do it here at our firm is you come in and we look at your statements, but um, you know we back into the number. But the most important thing you need to decide is how much money do you want to spend every month? after taxes, after inflation, forget about all that. Just what do you want to put in your pocket every month that you can spend? And we start there and then we do an analysis of all your guaranteed income. Where's that coming from? Social security, pension, and so on. And your investments, how much can we throw off in your investments? And we find out, okay, do you have enough? Do you have more than enough? Do you not have enough? And if you have more than enough, that's easy. Then we just spin off the amount that's more than enough. Let's say you've got a million dollars saved and that's what you need, but then you've got another hundred thousand and we can separate that out and you can decide what to do with it. Um, but you, you're asking the right question, Ted. You want to know, are you going to be okay? How much money do I need to be okay? Take care of that first and that'll actually make you a better giver, a better investor, a better helper of others with that other hundred thousand dollars. So I'm curious about Ted's phrasing there because he said, how can I determine how much I can leave behind to my kids without shortchanging myself? He makes it sound like leaving money behind to the kids is a really high priority for him. Is that common? Like, do you find there are people where leaving money behind as a legacy is a high priority or are most people like, yeah, whatever, if there's something left, fine? I think most people are in between, John. They, they, they want to leave something to my ki- their kids well, I'll just use myself as an example, myself and Wendy. We want to make sure we're going to be okay. That's the number one priority. But there is this deep desire to give our kids the opportunity to maybe have it a little better off. We don't, we don't want them to be wealthy and not have any incentive to work, but we want them to be a little bit better off, maybe have more opportunities than we had at that age, maybe a little bit more financial stability. So there's a desire there that's quite a strong desire, but it's not, it doesn't trump for lack of a better, I guess we shouldn't use that. It doesn't, it doesn't come before, that desire doesn't come before our own financial security. And we see that more and more with people. Most people say, you know what, I send the kids to school, I gave them the best education, I gave them a great upbringing. Um, you know, they, they went to, they had all kinds of opportunities in life. So if we want to, if we leave something behind, that's great, but we want to take care of ourselves first. So it's not a flippant thing like, you know, I don't need to leave anything behind. There's still that desire for most people, but most people say, I want to make sure I'm okay first. I want to hone in on a phrase that you said. You said you'd like uh, for your kids to have a a better or have more financial opportunity than maybe you had at their age. Give me an example of something maybe that you'd like to see your kids be able to do that you couldn't do when you were their age. If one of my kids wanted to go into full-time charity work where they had to raise their own support, then I would want them to be able to do that because they had a secure monthly income where they could devote themselves 100% to the causes that they cared about. Um, you know, I was, for two years when I was younger, 18 and 19 years old, um, I was with a group that did 
volunteer work and we had to raise our own support. So I sent letters to my mom and dad's acquaintances and, you know, asked if they could give me $50 a month or $100 a month. And if I would not have been able to raise that support, I wouldn't have been able to do that charity work. We went to the Philippines and, you know, northern Canada and just all kinds of neat places where we helped less fortunate people out. But I had to raise that support. I would want them to be able to do something like that. Um, and so that's an example, you know, or, or maybe, maybe it's one spouse gets to stay home while the children are uh, growing up or in school. Um, and maybe a little bit of money gives them the ability to do that so that they don't have to work if they don't want to. So those, those type of things are what I'm talking about. Again, not to make them wealthy. They don't need to go buy BMWs and things like that. Um, but to help them out so that they have more choices so that they're not forced into, you know, uh, feeling financial pressure. I think financial pressure is good, um, but too much pressure can be a little crippling. Well, I think the Warren Buffett quote, uh, the way he always says he thinks about legacy for him is he wants to leave his kids enough money to feel like they can do anything, but not so much that they don't have to do anything. That's a great quote. Well That's a great way to look at it. How about a question here from Rebecca, who says, I used to hear a lot about the 4% rule. Does that still work? Well, just uh, to review, so the 4% rule said that if you had a million dollars, you could take out 4% per year, and statistically, it's highly unlikely you will run out of money before you die. Even with all the ups and downs in the market, if the market drops 20% one year and then goes up 20% and then drops 30% and then has a few years where it's up 12% per year, and you're taking this 4% withdrawal off of it, statistically, it was very unlikely, not guaranteed, but very unlikely you would run out of money. Well, that assumed that bond interest rates or fixed interest rates were somewhere around 4 to 6% and that the market was going to kind of get this long-term rate of return of 9 to 10%. Those fixed interest rates are not at that level anymore. You know, the the 10-year bond is under 2%. And so the 4% rule doesn't work. From a statistical standpoint, you don't have as much probability of not running out of money if you take 4% off your portfolio. Now, the good news is there's guaranteed investment contracts with insurance companies and things like that where you can get that fixed rate of return. You've got to give up some liquidity to get it, to get that safe rate of return. Or what a lot of people are doing is they're going, they're reaching for yield, which we, what we call it by putting a lot more in stocks than they normally would. And that's kind of a dangerous game to play. So 4% rule, be cautious about it. Make sure you're having somebody, uh, we can do this for you or somebody else can run a number of different analysis and probabilities on your money if you're taking 4% out. But right now, we recommend you be very cautious about that. I've run some scenarios where clients can take five, five and a half percent out, but it depends on the investment tools and sometimes the insurance products that we're using for them to be able to get that kind of a withdrawal rate. All right. One more question for you today, Joel. This is from Richard, who says, I was planning to work for one more year and then retire, but I'm now hearing that we might have some layoffs and I could be offered a severance package equal to one year's salary. So that actually seems like it would be great news since I was only going to work a year anyway. Am I dumb for hoping I get laid off? No, you're not. <laughs> and this gets into the, the situation of, uh, you know, you can, you can take that package if you want to. You don't have to, right? You're planning to work another year or you get a year of severance. So the, from an income standpoint, it's the same. Um, and so the question is, do you want to retire early? Now, I have a book. I want you to make sure you get this book, so give me a call. Um, it's 800-705-1232, um, 1-800-705-1232. It's called Forced to Retire. And if you go on our website, you can request that book also, Forced to Retire. And what it talks about is it talks about the eight things that you need to answer 
to decide whether you should take an early retirement package. Some people are forced to take it. Other people have the choice like you do. Um, but make sure you get a copy of that book and it'll give you just a quick eight things you need to sort of check the box off and to make sure that you've thought that decision through. And when I say a book, it's a quick read. I call my books airplane reads. You can read them. They're usually 80 or 90 pages long. Um, very simple to understand, um, but it'll make sure you're in good shape. So make sure you get a copy of that book, Forced to Retire, to help you make the decision. So again, the number to call, 800-705-1232, 800-705-1232. If you'd like to get a copy of Joel's book, Forced to Retire, it makes a lot of sense for you to get your hands on that book if you're in a situation where you've been offered a retirement buyout package or you think it might be coming. There are rumors around the company that they might be offering that soon. Or maybe you're just not that confident in your company's overall health right now or your particular position and you just want to see, you know, what do I need to be thinking about? What are all those, as Joel said, boxes I need to check? mentally on my checklist to make sure I'm in good shape. Get a copy of Forced to Retire. 800-705-1232 is the number to call. That's 800-705-1232. Thanks so much for listening to Joel Johnson's Money Wisdom. We'll talk with you again next week. Same time, same place. Have a great week. Money Wisdom is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti. Investment advisory services offered through JB Capital LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products offered through JN Financial LLC. Johnson Brunetti is a paid sponsor of the Yukon Huskies athletic program. Better Money is sponsored by Johnson Brunetti.